Junk food supper. 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 Welcome to Junk Food Supper, episode number 23, the only podcast guaranteed to liposuck the clothing right off of your body. Uh, this is one of your hosts, Sean Byron, and joining me as always is my other host, Parker Bowman, up in the 559. How you doing, Bowman? Hey, I'm good. Just up here representing the 559, as I am wont to do. Uh, me and about seven other counties worth of people, because the, the big area code area. Um, but yeah, I'm doing good. I'm just I'm getting Halloween-y. I'm getting into the spirit. Things are... I'm finally mostly getting over COVID. I feel like I'm 90% healthy. I got a little ways to go. Uh, Shinji, the dog, he's healthy. So things are going going well. How are things with you? Not too bad. I, I can't complain. I'm excited to hear that you're feeling Halloween-y because I, I feel like it's been, I don't know, may, maybe a, a bit of a late start for you to, to be expressing Halloween-y feelings here on, on the show. It has for sure. I mean, I got covid the last day of september so i have like i that ruined everything like i've gotten to watch a, a few things like i've been watching some tv shows some scary tv shows and stuff but i didn't go to a spirit halloween store until just this week um you know i, I just went to saw last week like yeah definitely a, a slow start but uh but things are moving moving along now nicely i went to a, a haunted house yet uh yesterday for a story oh, wow. at work, got to talk to the people making a haunted house. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the spirits. I'm in the mood now. Now, have you yet crossed that threshold of Halloween that we all must cross every year? Have you started egging houses and toilet papering trees yet? Not yet. Uh, there aren't a lot of trees up here. Oh, in so, the 559? In the 559, we don't really have trees. We have tumbleweeds. I've been uh, okay. toilet papering the tumbleweeds. I mean, in a way, um, that's even more effective because those tumbleweeds will come right at you. That's true. Yeah, they really go. When the wind picks up, they move. Um, I thought that they were just fake for, for oh, uh, Wiley Coyote ca- cartoons, yeah. but they are real. You thought Chuck Jones just dreamed these things up. <laughs> they seem too surreal. You ever been attacked by one? I have not, no. It's a thing that happens, so so be careful. I remember I was in a parking lot in Las Vegas once. A real mean tumbleweed crept right up on me. You know, they get caught by the wind, you see. They're, they're not generating their own locomotion, but... Yeah. However they do it, man, it's mean, because they're sharp as hell. Yeah. They, they are ominous. Like, sometimes at my work, um, like, I'll come out to leave to go home, and they'll be like, a few just scattered around the the parking lot like a couple like you know up against my car and it's just like it's they're oddly threatening yeah yeah it's you know it's ominous they're they're mocking you for deciding to try and thrive and survive in a desert (laughs) that's true i mean i guess i am on their turf yeah they're like this this is your fate someday you will be a tumbleweed you know you'll be blowing in this wind like dust it's true it's it's beautiful I think uh, Socrates said that. <laughs> Who knew that tumbleweeds were so poetic? <laughs> I didn't. Um, but what about you? Have you done anything Halloweeny? 
I know you like to wait to the last minute. You're like a tradition. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I watched a few scary movies. I, I watched Freddy 2, watched Freddy 3, watched um, The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Th- you know, three great movies that I guess I would rank in that level of greatness, in, in that order of greatness. But I'm, I'm not, not really too much going on Halloween-wise that's super notable. That's under- Well, we still got a week left, you know? There's still a lot of time to pack it in. Yeah, that's true. I, I did pick up um, that new Super Mario Wonder game for the Switch. And I'm, I'm only a few hours in, so I, I can't really give a full review, but I'm enjoying my time with it so far. Very good things. Seems, I don't have a Switch. I, I'm, I'm out. I'm on the outside looking in, but it seems like anytime a new Mario game drops, it's always... Like, I never hear, oh, that new Mario game sucks. Like, everybody's always happy with the Mario games. Yeah, they're, I mean, it's a pretty solid franchise at this point. I mean, Sonic the Hedgehog only wishes that he had this kind of consistency in his game output. Yeah. Sonic, that motherfucker's uh, making pinball games and shit. Yeah, he's got... Yeah, Sonic comes out with the worst fucking garbage I've ever seen in my life. Up to and including movies. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I do like Ugly Sonic, but I haven't seen those other oh, ones. Oh, yeah, that's, that's true. Love that Ugly Sonic. He's so good. So ugly. Got those little hairs on his mustache. <laughs> his teeth. Speaking of ugly little guys, I also finished uh, Pikmin 4 on Switch, which turned out to be a pretty lengthy odyssey. I think I put in 50 hours into this game, and I still haven't like fully 100%ed everything, but I've finished like the main storyline. A lot of fun, that game, Pikmin 4. I, I really recommend it. I've heard that that is good, too. They're cute little guys, those Pikmins. Yeah, 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 you know, they're funny. They've, they've got their own personalities and their own sort of functions that you can identify based on their their uh, appearance. I guess they're kind of like lemmings in a way. If you ever played lemmings, it's sort of like that. Yeah, yeah. They look uh, kind of like the rabbits, you know, like those guys. Oh, yeah. Did you ever, they're kind of like I, those guys. Did you ever play that Super Mario Rabbids crossover? I never played that one, but it look it looks cool. Yeah, it looks fun. I don't know anything about the rabbits other than that they hung out with Mario that time. I feel like they only had like one game or something before they got the opportunity to cross over with Mario, and I feel like that's a pretty big upgrade, right? I mean there's gotta be guys out there, you know, like Metroids thinking I had to wait all the way until Smash Brothers before I could party with Mario. Give me a break. Yeah, yeah, that's you get into the big time pretty immediately if you get to cross over with Mario after only one game. Yeah. I, I mean, I I would only wish that we could be so lucky. <laughs> you know? got to get Mario on the podcast. Yeah, I would love to impress him with my triple jump skills, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, speaking of crossovers, it's yeah. Halloween. And sometimes people cross over into costumes i guess i don't like they dress up as things and there's crossovers i don't know like that's not really a good segue is, is that but... the segue really <laughs> well it's like what if you I, go you, you, you dressed had as such mario a, you had such an easy like segue right in front i mean you, you just say like the... you know speaking of crossing over let's cross over into the next subject or whatever well, I guess that would have been better. I was, I was going, you know, it's like on Halloween, everybody's crossing over. It's like you see King Kong and he's hanging out with Patrick Bateman and Jason's over there and you got. Okay. All right. I get Barbie, it. Now I know? get it. You, sell it to me with this kind of conviction. 
That's that's what I need out of these transitions. I was not very confident in my in my segue, and it, it showed. You know, it really it really broke down there. But uh, the good news is now we're firmly segued into this segment. Oh, and, and what a, what a place to be! Segment number one on Junk Food Supper. No longer are we in the preamble portion of the show. <laughs> firmly in segment number one. Uh, which is that I thought it would be nice to talk about things, times we've dressed up for Halloween. Um, just like our top three or just, you know, ones that like pop out to us. I'm not much of a dressing up man, as we've talked about before, for two reasons. Well, three reasons. One, I'm antisocial, so I don't really go to parties. And two, I'm a chubby guy. So no matter what I dress up as, I'm sure somebody's going to be like, one of my friends is gonna like bust my balls and be like, "Oh, you're the you're the fat version of Patrick Bateman." Oh, that's great. And then um, also, I have more more like Patrick Bateman. <laughs> yeah, see, someone's gonna give me that joke and it's gonna break my heart. I'm gonna have bad self-esteem all night. Um, and then also, I feel like if you dress up for Halloween, and we've talked about this a little bit, you got you kind of got to be method a little bit, like if. If I were to go out as Halloween as Patrick Bateman, I feel like I need to spend 70% of the night pretending to be Patrick Bateman and doing quotes from the movie. Otherwise, it's kind of a failure of a night. But I understand that that's... It seems like that's only a me thing. I thought that that, I thought yeah. that, that was like kind of a thing that people believed, but I guess not. I learned that, that that's I, not the case. I, I mean, I don't share your same, you know, enthusiasm for, you know, exchanging business cards all night, you know, if, if I were to be Patrick <laughs> Bateman or whatever thing that you would think would be necessary to sell the character. But I, I appreciate it, I guess. You know, I, I think that kind of commitment is admirable, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, if you're going in, like, if you're wearing, like, a gorilla suit for Halloween and you go to a party at your friend's house, at least go in the kitchen and root around and try to find bananas. Like That's just like part of it, I feel like. Well, the other problem with the gorilla suit, and, and honestly, with most of the good costumes that I would want to wear, you're dealing with a big, heavy mask that's going to make you sweaty as all hell. Mm-hmm. You're going to be getting mm-hmm. sweat in your mouth, sweat in your eyeballs. Your nose is going to be clogged with sweat. It's, mm-hmm. it's not going to be... And that mask is going to smell bad. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. it, maybe it makes your face itchy. You might have mm-hmm. a mild reaction to latex, you know? And But honestly, every, you know, incredible costume, I mean, probably 90% of them hinge on a cool mask, you know? It's true. No, and then, no, nobody yeah, wants to see like... your, you know, a, a, just a regular human face walking around there at a Halloween party. Yeah. So, like, yeah, if you come up with, like, the greatest costume ever, you're walking in to the party and you get like that one first entrance reaction and then after that you know you're probably sweaty so you got to take off the mask and then you don't get that reaction again the whole night it's very sad it's almost anticlimactic yeah people are showing up to the party late you have to be like hold on let me put my you know gorilla mask back on you gotta see this mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a mess yeah now, now you're lugging of- around this big you know sweaty hunk of fur you mm-hmm. know putting it under your armpit all night long it's getting even more sweaty under there yeah it's a lot of stress so i i've only dressed up a few times in my life mostly when i was a young kid so uh yeah so i I don't know so maybe i'm an outlier here. maybe i'm a little abnormal so i wanted to learn a little bit about your dressing up uh traditions and in history as well um 
But I'll, I'll go first. One of the first things I ever dressed up as that I got to pick the costume. Because, you know, when you're little, usually your mom picks it out or like you have very limited options, you know. Um, but the first time I remember getting to pick out my costume was in first, first or second grade, something like that. Uh, we went to probably like a pharmacy because that's where you used to get costumes traditionally <laughs> for some reason. Um, and I, I got a hockey mask and I got a fake machete and I went as Jason and I was so psyched. Um, and it was great because like as we were trick-or-treating around, um, like we would go to a lot of the houses where like my friends lived and for whatever reason a bunch of my friends weren't trick-or-treating. Like I remember going specifically to two houses where my friends were passing out candy. I don't know why they weren't trick-or-treating. We were all in second grade. Um, it's kind of weird now that I think about it, but I remember being so stoked that I went and did the trick-or-treat thing at my friend's house and my friends gave me candy and they didn't know who I was. And like, <laughs> <laughs> like being like very incognito. Like I remember thinking that that was like the coolest power in the world. Me, like I said, an antisocial sort of shy introvert that's the greatest superpower you can give me is for to <laughs> go just be invisible. So I really loved it. I felt like super cool and powerful wearing wearing this Jason costume. So uh, I loved that. Well, and you cracked the code. You know, you, you found the one mask that doesn't cause massive amounts of nose sweat to occur. You know what I mean? It's easy and yeah. breathable. Yeah, true. Like your whole top of your head and back of your head are free flowing, getting a lot of air big air holes in the in the front of it yeah it's a good mask yeah. to wear plus you know october is hockey season so you're protecting your mm -hmm. face against any errant pucks that might arrive in the street you know yeah i'm ready to be put in the game if uh dante and randall need me to climb up on the top <laughs> of the quick stop i'm ready to go yeah and honestly you could probably even tussle with a tumbleweed with that thing on and feel pretty <laughs> confident true true do you remember what specifically the Jason mask looked like because I remember back in the heyday of our you know youth there were like a, a number of competing like dime store Jason mask uh, you know designs out there there was one where like the mouth holes were like vertical slits and there's one where it's oh, like yeah. the little circles you know which I think is what it's supposed to be right but like there are all these weird little variations. It was, I remember it being like very like flat and wide. Like it didn't like curve around my head very well. And it was very like pale and bright. It may have been glow in the dark, but I, yeah, I'm not some totally of them sure. Were. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Some of them were. Yeah. And yeah, it had the holes for the mouth part. I remember that. I don't think it had any like, you know, how like Jason's mask has like the red triangles by the oh, eyes yeah. and stuff. It didn't have anything like that. I think it was all just one color. Yeah, well, I think that's how they avoid being sued. You know, the I, moment yeah. you, you paint, a, paint a red <laughs> triangle on there, uh, Johnny Cochran's knocking on your door. That's true, yeah. That is sad for the, the Jason folks. that they, Well, I mean, I guess not. I mean, I guess they stole it to begin with. But yeah, like, they can't patent their own Halloween costumes necessarily because... The, the whole costume is just a hockey mask. Like, anybody can make a hockey mask. I, I wonder, you know, on that subject about the Scream Halloween costumes. Like, is the original Ghostface guy making money off that, you know? Or 
New Line making money off of it? I, I would think if it's got the word Scream on it, New Line's going to make some money. Yeah, I actually just watched something about that on YouTube the other day. Um, because it was based on an already existing mask, I think it's a collaboration between like New Line or whatever and the original uh, Halloween company that made the original mask. But the person who designed that mask makes nothing, which is a real shame because not only did they create a cool Halloween mask, but they created a mask that has spawned an entire fucking franchise of money or of movies and they make no money for it. So that's shady practices out there in the world. Well, that's that's how they get you. Yeah. But uh, but what about you? What uh, Halloween costume do you recall? Well, you know, much like you, I don't really dress up as an adult. You know, I, I think pretty much for the same reasons, you know, on top of being a, a fat man and not wanting to look fat in a costume, I just don't like being looked at in public. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just generally kind of a shy person. I, I don't like attention that much. Um, and so, you know, dressing up and, and requesting that people evaluate my appearance... <laughs> That's not really in my purview. I mean, I, I can barely even put on the costume of an adult. You know, like, I don't even wear long pants. You know what I mean? So, like, mm -hmm. going, you know, all the way into a, some character and, and, you know, inviting criticism. I, I, it's not for me. But uh, as a kid, I didn't know any better. And uh, I think the very first thing I ever remember being dressed up as is probably Superman. And I think it was like even like a foot pajama type scenario in my memory. I'm talking like this is probably oh, yeah. preschool or it might have been kindergarten, but somewhere in that in that range. Uh, going out on Halloween with my Superman foot pajamas, you know, that had those little um, kind of semi padded feet that were attached to the pants of it, you know. And I remember the the feeling of those on. Uh, like the asphalt and, and them getting completely wrecked and by the time I got home like <laughs> yeah. all the uh, the bottom of the foot had kind of rubbed off you know but uh, yeah I, I guess I uh, I think I always kind of liked Superman I, I wouldn't have been reading his comics at that point so I, I don't know what my exposure to him would have been maybe the Christopher Reeves movie I'm not sure but yeah. it, it was mostly probably my parents just saying hey Here's a costume. Little boys dress up as Superman. So here, here you go. Yeah, I think so. Cause yeah, I remember. Yeah, like thing. You know, back before Spirit Halloween showed up every year and like gave us a million different great costume choices. Like we would go to like, I mean, I remember specifically for years and years and years. I would either go to what was referred to as a dime store, like before we had dollar stores, mm -hmm. uh, where my grandma worked. Or we would go to the to the drugstore next door to where she worked. And those were like, that's where you got your costumes. Um, and I think that was like a fairly typical way to buy costumes when you were little in our age. And probably, I mean, that, we were probably on like the tail end of it. But like people older than us probably, that was like all they could do. But yeah, I think choices because these people, you know, weren't Spirit Halloween. Like choices were just slim. I remember one time very early on in my life, I went as Bugs Bunny and I had like the shitty little plastic half mask with like the rubber band you know that like really hurt oh yeah oh yeah and, and the, the staples <laughs> that would break off immediately yeah 
And it's like, I, I mean, I guess I liked Bugs Bunny, but not enough to want to dress up as him. But it's like, I mean, it was probably either that or like Little Bo Peep. You know, it's like there's not <laughs> yeah. a lot of options at the time. Raggedy so. Andy. Yeah. So you probably just didn't have a lot of options. He was either, yeah, either Superman or Raggedy Andy, and you made your choice. Well, I remember that the big thing when we were young was not, I mean, yeah, there, there were masks and stuff like that. And, and those were the cool costumes that you aspired to. But I feel like most kids just landed with like that lame pack of like makeup crayons. You know what I mean? Where you could draw mm-hmm. on your face, like with whatever color, it would come with a colorful pack of different colors. So you could make like a kitty cat face or, or what have you. Uh, I think that was what most people were doing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was big. Yeah, I think, yeah, after they got rid of, like, those cool costumes that were just, like, the shitty mask that hurt with, like, the apron, you know, like, <laughs> from yesteryear, then, yeah, I think the next big thing was probably, yeah, makeup. Makeup yeah. and stuff. Those costumes that <laughs> were just a colored trash bag that you would put your child into. <laughs> yeah, they didn't, they, like, barely survived the night. Like, they were so yeah. cheap and crappy. Here's a gold trash bag. You're C-3PO now. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, so another time in high school, uh, and this may be the last time I dressed up actually, um, in high school, I got the idea to dress as my friend Doobie, uh, oh. cause he always, he, <laughs> he dressed w- the same way. One of way. the brothers? Yeah. One of the brothers, the Doobes. Um, now he's, well, he's my friend Brian, but he got the nickname Doobie because he smokes weed a lot. So it was a very creative <laughs> nickname. Um, so he always dressed like pretty much the same every day. Like he would wear these big Jenkos, these big black Jenkos, and like a button up work shirt and suspenders. Um, and I think he had like Vans or Airwalks or something. And every single day, same outfit pretty much. Um, different work shirt, probably, at the very least. And so I wanted to dress up like him. So I borrowed a bunch of his clothes, got some suspenders. And I went as him. And when I saw him in the morning at school, he had the biggest smile on his face. And it warmed my heart so much um, to see it. And then I remember like in like fifth period or something, I was sitting next to this girl who was like kind of like my friend, but not really. Like just friend by proximity because we were in the same class sitting next to each other. And she asked me if I, uh, if for Halloween I was dressed up like a nerd. <laughs> sad, sad that she roasted Doobie, and then also like it made me sad that she didn't know Doobie because like he's such a nice guy. So I was like, well, how do you not know Doobie? But uh, but it was a fun one. It was a fun one. And then that very night is the night that I went to the very first Horrorama in Dayton and saw Curse of Frankenstein. Oh, which uh, I believe Kevin just last weekend went to the most recent horror. Horrorama in Dayton, so the tradition still lives on. I don't know if Kevin was dressed as Doobie or not at the time, but maybe. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm I'm struck by the fact, and I'm, I'm hesitant to point this out because I wonder if we might be able to make it a, a perfect three for three, but I'm struck by the fact that so far, your two stories here about costumes almost have less to do with the costumes you were wearing, and and more to do with your connection with your your you know your good your good buds out there, your pals back in Ohio. That is true. That is true. I mean, I guess one of the stories is me trying to avoid them, being being happy they didn't see me. <laughs> but still, uh, I 
I mean, yeah. I, the, I mean, well, the reason I was so happy that they didn't notice me is because we were good friends. I didn't exactly. Yeah, yeah. you wouldn't even be trying to avoid them if they were just strangers. So. Yeah, true. Yeah, I didn't feel good about the strangers who didn't know me, who didn't notice me. Uh, that was just normal. So, so yeah, uh, that is a good point. It's a good point. And, and I guess maybe that speaks to kind of the the magic of Halloween. Like maybe it's not so much about us worrying about our own costumes and, and how we feel maybe we should just be enjoying everybody else's costumes you know and, and maybe get out of our own heads a little bit not worry about whether we're going to be called Patrick Bateman you know <laughs> yeah I agree um, but yeah but what about you what's your next one uh, so the very first costume that I remember selecting for myself uh, was a Freddy Krueger. Um, I probably would have been like first grade-ish, somewhere around there. Um, and, you know, I remember when we were kids, you know, similar to the, the Jason situation, there was a whole range of Krueger masks and costumes out there, you know what I mean? Like, we really had our, our pick of uh, varying options, varying price levels for these Krugers uh, back then. And I, you know, I, I remember wanting like the super deluxe Freddy Krueger mask that came with uh, like a cool fedora and like, you know, looked legit, you know, had a came with a glove, you know, that looked good and, and all this. And I, I never was able to uh, convince my parents to get me that. Thankfully, I don't think I got like the very lowest level, cheapest, like Freddy Krueger type of thing. Um but I did get like maybe the, the second lowest level of, of Nightmare <laughs> Fetty. So um, it did have like that kind of fedora that was like really weak foam that would like crumple mm -hmm. up. But I remember like going out trying to trick or treat and this dumb foam hat that I'm wearing kept blowing off my head like on every <laughs> fucking doorstep when they're trying to hand me like a, a Twix bar or whatever. I'm like bending over because my hat's falling off. Uh, it was a nightmare. And again, sweat right up my nose so mm -hmm. probably spent half my trick-or-treat time just walking around holding the mask saying i'm freddy can't you tell by my pretty crummy looking plastic <laughs> finger knives yeah that's a yeah that's always a bummer when you have to like when you're on a budget and you don't want to be you know like you want to go all out that's probably yeah. also another thing that's that held me back for many years is like like, there are a couple of things that I would want to be for Halloween, like the aforementioned Patrick Bateman or, like, Spike from Buffy. And those are, like, those would be probably pretty pricey. Like, especially Patrick Bateman to buy, like, a fucking suit. Like, it would be a pricey Halloween. So that's another reason I've never done it. So, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and those Freddy Krueger costumes back then, at least the ones that I could afford, you're talking about you get a, you know, a crummy latex mask and then, a, like, a crummy plastic uh you know, uh, razor blade, uh, knife glove thing. Um, you don't get a sweater, you don't get whatever mm -hmm. brown pants or whatever he wears. So like, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, inevitably what happens is you got a Freddy Krueger walking around that just looks like a eight year old boy wearing a Chicago Bulls t-shirt. You know what I mean? Cause <laughs> what else am I going to do? Just with, with perfectly non-burned human flesh tone arms. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, still to this day, when I went to Spirit Halloween the other day, they had a lot of Freddy gloves, a lot of Freddy hats, a lot of Freddy masks, but not really any sweaters. I don't think that I saw. 
unless I was in the wrong area. Um, so yeah, still. They just assume every kid's going to have the super common red and green striped sweater in their <laughs> closet available? Yes, so, yeah. What the hell? <clears throat> well, what about you? You got any well, more costumes? I have one last one. Um, this is kind of a different story. Kind of a different one. Uh, sort of an embarrassing story. But I... Uh, I'll give you the prologue here. A long time ago, there was an episode of Married with Children that I saw. And Sam McMurray was in it from the Tracy Ullman show. And it's been 30 years since I've seen this episode. But the way I remember it was that Peg had like a crush on him. Because he was like the new guest star of the week or whatever. And then the show ended with the punchline that... Al told Peg she shouldn't have a crush on him uh, because he was a a homo. And as a kid, I did not... I I thought that homo sounded a lot like the word hobo. So I thought that the joke of the episode was that Peg should not have a crush on this guy because he was homeless. I thought that was like the joke because Mm -hmm. I didn't get that these two words were different words. So... Fast forward to however long later, that in my little baby brain, I think these are the two same, these are the same words. Me and my brother are getting ready for Halloween. We don't have a lot of money. So we just, like, I think we went to, like, the thrift store. We're in, I was in fifth grade. He was in, like, first grade. We went to a thrift store and just bought a bunch of crappy clothes that we could, like, tear up and rip up and put fake blood on. And, like, we put fake blood all over ourselves. And we were just, like, you know... Poor zombies. Homeless zombies. Perhaps you can see where this is going. <laughs> and so we're trick-or-treating around, having fun. And, uh, like, we're with my mom. She's taking us all around. And we get to, like, some nice old people's house, and they give us some candy. And they're like, oh, what are you kids supposed to be? And me, I big smile on my face, very excited to be out for Halloween. I say, we're dead homos. <sighs> And and then that was the day that my mom had to tell me the difference between these two words uh, that I did not realize. Uh, I remember those people looking at me like they did not understand what I was talking about. Um, (laughs) So they were probably shocked and appalled. Or maybe not. I mean, it was a different time. Maybe they were very happy about it. But um, very embarrassing in retrospect to get those two words mixed up and to do it with such glee, I guess. But... uh, (laughs) But uh, I remember it it very vividly. To be honest with you, though, I, I feel like if you came back with the answer of dead hobos, that's not that much better. I mean, that's still kind of a disturbing <laughs> thing for a child to say, right? <laughs> that is a good point. To be that like, is a oh, good yeah, point. we're the cast-offs from society, you know, that have been... <laughs> Uh, that are now like tumbleweed dust in the wind, you know? Yeah, because I didn't say zombie hobos. Like, you know, cause yeah. like that's, you know, or vampire hobos. Just, they're dead. Like, we're just dead, uh, <laughs> <laughs> mistreated outcasts of society. Yikes. Yeah. But, I mean, they were cool costumes. I mean, we really ripped the shirts up and put a lot of fake blood on them. So, sad they're marred by this cancelable offense um, on my part. I, th- I think it was worth it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it 
worked out. I mean, it's a good. I mean, it's a good thing I said that because I learned the difference. I mean, for all, if that wouldn't have happened, I would still be mixing up the two words to this very day. Uh, but what about you? Well, my third and, and final uh, Halloween costume of note, and I, I actually really did have to kind of rack my brain to come up with three because I'm sad to say, as, as much as I love Halloween, love the season, love watching spooky things, love a, a pumpkin pie and, and all of that, I, I don't have the greatest track record with, with getting dressed up, even in my youth. Um, but the one adult costume that I did you know, participate in uh, was the time that I went to Disneyland dressed up like a giant cockroach. Um, <laughs> I, I took one swing at dressing up, you know, as an adult, and I, I think I, you know, if not hit a home run, at least scored a, a double or something. Um, basically, this was about 10 years ago or something, um, and Disneyland was doing a one-time-only special Halloween event where they invited people to dress up in costume. It was going to be taking place at the park after the park was closed because they didn't want people to, you know, be walking around the park all day long, you know, dressed up like Ariel from The Little Mermaid and confusing kids, you know what I mean? Um, so you were supposed to show up to the park after it closed for this Halloween party thing in costume. But I showed up there early ass in the morning and I had a, uh, an annual pass at the time. And so I was able to just kind of talk my way in with the wife and just say, no, we're supposed to be here. We're supposed to be in costume. Let us in. And I don't know how, but it it worked. And so I was able to ride the Matterhorn dressed as a giant cockroach. I was able to sit at the, uh, the pizza port, eat a slice of pizza dressed up as a giant cockroach. Probably every 15 minutes or so, kids would come up to me thinking that I was either like Sebastian the Crab from The Little Mermaid or some other random character. <laughs> they, they assumed I was part of, you know, um, of the park, I guess. But um, it was fun. And, and, you know, it wasn't easy to, to ride the Matterhorn. Probably was not safe to have this giant, floppy, giant cockroach costume <laughs> on. I'm, I'm thankful I didn't get decapitated or anything, but um, it was a memorable time. Yeah. Now, now that you're saying this, I feel like I've seen that before. I feel like you have pictures of this on Instagram or something. I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's one of my treasured uh, photographs is is me and the wife is dressed up as the um, the what the the Red Queen or whatever from Alice in Wonderland, uh, the Queen of Hearts. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, um, it was just a, a weird, wild thing that we were able to somehow pull off. I like that. That's a good costume because like that's. Like, I don't like. Yeah, there's something like classic about it, but it's also a little bit weird. Um, you know, something like Kafka-esque about walking around like a big giant cockroach. I think that's a fun, a fun costume. It's like essentially just like a big hoodie. You know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still have it, by the way. If you want to borrow it. Well, if I ever dress up for Halloween, I might take you up on that. I've Sounds only like a worn good one. it. I've only worn it twice. I, I wore it to Disneyland, and then I, I put it on one other time to pose for a photo where I held uh, VHS copies of all the movies that were played at the Arrow Horathon Corngorn the prior year, so I could wear that a like wear that photo on a T-shirt 
the following year. So I've got a, a T-shirt that's me in the, the giant cockroach costume holding, like, uh, VHS copies of, like, Anguish and Halloween 3 and stuff like that. <laughs> I like your gimmick of... Yeah, you always have very good... Uh, gimmick t-shirts like that like obviously the beach 24 one and there's been a few few others throughout the years i like <laughs> i like your commitment to the bit of, of those t-shirts i mean if you're gonna wear a t-shirt it might as well make you laugh right make yourself yeah. laugh indeed well speaking of making people laugh okay uh, we got three voicemails here no, possibly they'll make us laugh yeah they might make uh, us laugh I don't know. Or maybe they're very sad voicemails. I don't know. I've not listened to them yet. Who knows? Only time will tell, I guess. Should we treat these like one of those stand-up comedian, make-me-laugh, you know, college campus challenges, you know, where we'll we'll sit here, we'll try to be as stoic as possible, not even grimace a smile? I think that's a good plan. Yeah. All right. Well, lay it on us, callers. Make us laugh. Yeah, we'll see if any of these guys win. But uh, here's the first one. Hey, Junk Food Supper. This is Eddie from New York calling in with a bit of a cold. Uh, in the, you know, give my thoughts on Inherent Vice and defending it as a potential uh, cult classic, or at least a cult movie. Um, I certainly love the film. It's probably my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie, if not my second, Behind the Master. Uh, it's one I've rewatched the most, especially over recent years. And, uh... I don't know, I just really, I really dig it, man. I think it's like, uh, kind of, it's got a lot of similarities to, um, basically like Eyes Wide Shut, but filmed through the lens and with the characters of like a fabulous furry Freak Brothers comic book. Uh, you get this guy, he's like spurred by jealousy, goes on to this odyssey to uncover this all-powerful secret organization that's been in charge of things all along and he barely gets out by the skin of his ass and in inherent vice he actually makes a save where uh at the end where um bill harford and eyes wide shut uh loses uh at least someone and potentially is married but uh yeah i just think it's a really good movie and uh you know if you haven't seen it in a while I'll give it a, give it a second shot i know uh joaquin phoenix is a bit uh jeff bridges moe mumbley is there uh, as the stoner Doc Sportello but uh, yeah it's really good and there's a podcast out there called Increment Vice which breaks down the movie scene by scene and uh, you know so if that's not evidence alone for being a, a cult film that has inspired passion you know I, I don't have anything better for you uh, but yeah uh, check it out it's good uh, enjoying the show uh, can't wait to hear what you guys cover next week and uh, take care Thank you, Eddie, for the voicemail. Um, I hope you feel better, especially going into Halloween weekend. Um, yeah, there was some discourse in the Discord about um, us wondering if they still, if cults still form around movies anymore. Uh, there were a few good ones that were thrown out. Crank 2, uh, which I think is probably accurate. Uh, Justin had a few good ones. Um... I remember. I don't remember which ones they were now that I'm not in the Discord. But, um, yeah, there were a few good ones out that have popped up, uh, I guess. I guess people... Uh, yeah, yeah, there's a few ones out there. Overall, I, I feel like that 
little conversation that we had on the show last week spawned a lot of uh, feedback and feelings, and, and people had, uh, you know, reactions to that, which, I mean, to be honest, uh, you know, we were just kind of chit-chatting. I'm not even sure that I fully stand by what I said, but uh, I'm, I'm glad that people are listening. Well, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's rare. I mean, I think the fact that we could, you know, that all us super movie heads could only come up with about 15, I think means that it's probably much more rare than before um but but yeah i mean i think the consensus is and that it does happen so i've changed my stance a little bit i I think it's rare but it does happen and it's it's all relative you know like what is a cult movie to this generation you know their Mm -hmm. definition of what that means is inherently going to be different than prior generations because you know, we grew up in a time where like access to specific movies was so challenging that you did kind of develop like an obsession about like I gotta see that movie again. You know, um, whereas I don't think that really happens in this age of of having everything at your fingertips. You know. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing I was wondering. I think I brought this up in the Discord, or maybe I was just thinking it. But there's this movie called Megan is Missing that. It's like a found footage movie that came out like 15, 10 or 15 years ago and like didn't really seem to make much of a splash. But then it caught fire like a year or two ago. Like people would do these TikTok challenges where you would watch the movie until it grossed you out. And that's different than how we would consider a cult movie to be. But I think that maybe that counts, even though it's being experienced in a much different way than we experienced cult movies back in our day like I still I don't know maybe that counts um or maybe not maybe it's just some cheap gag that the internet's doing but I don't know I mean yeah definitely movies get consumed differently nowadays I remember being a kid and having that experience of movies rotating out of the video store do you remember that happening in our lifetime where it's like oh I guess this you know this movie's not profitable anymore or the one copy that my video store had broke or something and so like I guess Halloween 2 is just not going to be available for me in my town anymore you know what I mean <laughs> yeah um, yeah I definitely remember that I think there was something like that there's some movie I wanted to see forever that had like a cool VHS box but it was just never there I think yeah like it broke or somebody stole it and they just didn't replace the box on the wall um yeah, which is like what? Yeah, wild. Like the yeah, like if if your video store didn't have that movie anymore, it was just not. It just did not exist. <laughs> like, which is hard to fathom nowadays. Although maybe not too hard, because like there's still stuff like that that doesn't exist. I mean, I'll never find Dream On, the HBO shows, uh, seasons two through five ever in life. Like that's just yeah. not ever going to be released anywhere. So I guess yeah. it still sort of happens. Yeah, or most of Muppet Babies, for instance. So much television is just seemingly lost or... I mean, the frustrating thing is, like, you know that it's out there. Like, you know that somewhere there's, like, a digi-beta-cam tape that has a really nice, you know, quality copy of every episode of Dream On for you, but because of rights or whatever, it's just going to sit in a vault. Yeah. Yeah, which is interesting, because, like, now we live in a time where, like, the most obscure shot on video like 
horror movie has has a 4K transfer, but Tales from the Crypt is nowhere to be found. <laughs> you know, like um, it's not a TV show put together by like Spielberg and Richard Donner. Like, is it just not available? It, yeah, it seems like maybe TV is the yeah the more lost media uh, format. Hopefully, there's some you know. Uh Digi Betacam pirates out there who are willing to uh, to break into these film vaults and mm-hmm. unleash the Muppet Babies for me, you know? Yeah. Uh, maybe one of them is our next caller here. Oh, by the way, I, I didn't laugh. Hello, this is Subvert from <laughs> Cascadia. It's been a while, but y'all mentioned Rocket's Red Glare on a previous episode. I don't even remember which movie it was about, but... The first time I heard of Rocket's Red Glare was in a movie called Story of a Junkie, uh, directed by Lech, or Lech, Lech Kowalski, who also directed Hey is DD Home. I can't remember how I heard about this movie. It might have just been a cult VHS thing that I got at the local video store in San Francisco. But uh, I enjoy this movie a lot, and I wonder if any of y'all have ever seen it. Um, it's about this real-life junkie in New York. Um, it's kind of the movie's kind of half documentary, half uh, you know drama. Um, the copy I have is a DVD from Troma. Um, so, uh, anyways, yeah, uh, recommend it. Wonder if y'all have seen it. Thank you for the voicemail. Um, I missed your name because Sean was chatting over it. Oh, I, I was clarifying <laughs> a very important point that I'm, I'm still stone-faced as always. Um, I've not seen this movie, though. I've heard... I, it seems interesting. It's like a very atypical trauma movie in that it's... Yeah, part documentary and very... Um, played very straight... Uh, so I've always wanted to see it, but now I've, I have not. Have you seen this movie? I have not. Um, I feel like I maybe remember a trailer for it on like the Tromabilia, you know, Troma trailer VHS tape that I have, but uh, never saw the movie. I wonder when we were talking about Rocket's Red Glare. I think it was a long time ago, like when we did After Hours. I don't recall. So this may be a phone call coming to us from the distant past. It's kind of spooky, right? That is spooky. Now I'm worried that I accidentally just grabbed a voicemail from three years ago. Well, <laughs> Which I don't think is the case. At the rate that we've been getting voicemails, I wouldn't mind if you, maybe you should do that every week. To be honest, let's hear from the Memphis <laughs> maniac again. You know? Yeah, I should just yeah. I'm gonna go through and find out what our oldest voicemails are. I'm just going to yeah. pull the very first one. got some greatest hits from Kevin yeah. Merriman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe we'll get a Mike Dick voicemail, you know? Yeah, could be. Yeah. The, uh, going through the archives on Google is, like, hard because you have to, like, scroll through. It's, like, not very user-friendly, so it'll probably take several months of scrolling to get to the bottom of the list, but I'll find the very first one. We're going to play that. Play your favorite, you know? <laughs> Listen to them, rate them, rank them, and then, you know, just cut it down to just one. 
Um, well, here's another one. Didn't here's laugh, third. by the way. Yeah, me neither. Um, <laughs> here's the third one. Hey, junk food supper. I think I'm calling on a supper week. Uh, I just listened to the episode about vampires, and I think the next one up is uh, Frankenstein General Hospital which I haven't seen, hadn't even heard of, but I'm excited to listen to the review. Uh, right now, I am watching Flesh for Frankenstein on the Criterion channel. So I'm wondering if any of you guys have seen that. It's sort of like a first run at um, Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm actually not sure which one came first, but it's also sort of like a, a weird spoof of the Curse of Frankenstein movie that you guys did a couple weeks ago um it's like frankenstein the the victor von frankenstein is like explicitly a eugenicist and it's like weirdly horny um it's produced by andy warhol but it wasn't directed by him so it's not like a just nonsense piece of troll art it's actually like <laughs> a real movie um, and I can't tell how I feel about it. It's, it would obviously be great with like a large crowd, but it's, uh, I don't know, watching it at home on my laptop, how I feel about it. So I was wondering if you guys have seen it, what your thoughts on it are. Uh, happy spooky season. And yeah, keep up the, the awesome show. Bye. Thank you for the call. Uh, you got two laughs from us. Yeah, congratulations. I guess we have to pay you now. Yeah. Uh, I like the idea of Andy Warhol being a troll artist. Um, yeah, I, I've not seen this movie. Uh, I've long wanted to. I think Kevin's a fan of it, if memory serves correctly. Um, have you seen this? Yeah, I, I saw it in my 20s, um, and I remember enjoying Udo Kier in it, but I, I don't remember a whole lot about it, to be honest with you. I, just, I remember it being kind of sleazy and, and fun. Uh, I would love to go back to it. I think there's also um, an Andy Warhol Dracula movie from like the, the same time period, mid '70s, that I've never seen. That I, I would maybe that would make a a good double bill. Maybe I should do that this month. I, I feel like I still got a few days left. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's true. Yeah, I think Andy Warhol directed the Dracula one, maybe, but I don't. I might be wrong on that. Well, is it a Dracula movie that is just a 45-minute-long blowjob in black and white shaky cam? <laughs> it might be. It just might be. Okay, well, that sounds like him. Um, well, I think that wraps it up for these segments. Um, so I guess we'll find out if there's a 45-minute-long shaky cam blowjob in the movie we'll be talking about next, which is... Frankenstein General Hospital, so stick around for that. I gotta get to the porno store quick. Let's, uh. Oh, my pretty little. I love you. So I stroke it, I pet it. Jumpinginter.com is the world's oldest and sexiest website. Jumpinginter.com is the world's oldest and sexiest website. I get all excited. I love it. I love my. 
so naughty, Pat. You're naughty. The world's oldest and sexiest website, TouchingJohnPenis.com. And I take my naughty, Pat. The world's oldest and Frankenstein General Hospital, an institution committed to providing the finest possible care for its patients. Suction. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> the patient kicked the bucket. We know. What have you got to say for yourself? It's not my week. The administration is meticulous. Seduction, enticement, lust. Yeah. Yeah. Violation, abuse. And the battery. Fuck me, me, mommy. The staff is passionate. I love doctors. Only 20. The doctors are dedicated. 25 grand? Yes! <laughs> well, I guess I can find another kidney to transplant somewhere. This one hurt a bit. But it is in research that Frankenstein General Hospital excels. Prepare the voltometer. In an isolated black and white laboratory, deep in the bowels of the building toils the brilliant... Gavin Daring, nimble-fingered. And the name is Dr. Bob Frankenstein. Cool. He's alive. He's passing gas. The monster in the basement where everything's black and white. <laughs> Frankenstein General Hospital, the movie with God. Oh, everyone spoils their first monster. All right, welcome back to Junk Food Supper. Uh, our Schlocktober movie that we're reviewing this week is, as we mentioned before, Frankenstein General Hospital from 1988, uh, directed by Deborah Romare. No relation to director George Romero, as far as I know, and no relation to directing anything other than this. Uh, and it looks like a 2004 TV movie called Patience. Which, funny enough, is another hospital comedy, but besides that, Deborah Romare has not done very much. Uh, and this is her movie about, um, about Dr. Bob Frankenstein and his assistant Iggy. Uh, a movie which I had never seen, you know, but had wanted to for a while. Um, I didn't really know why I had wanted to see this. I didn't know why it was on my letterboxed watch list uh, until I looked and it turned out that we had reviewed the movie Jekyll and Hyde together again on the show, I think about five years ago or something. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that. Uh, I think I gave it four stars on Letterboxd. And, you know, since the star of that movie, this guy Mark Blankfield, made another horror comedy in the 1980s, I thought, hey, you know, I'll probably really like that one too. You know, not remembering that, you know, maybe part of the reason I liked Jekyll and Hyde together again is that it also starred Elvira's boobs. But do you, do you remember us uh, reviewing that movie, Jekyll and Hyde, together again? I do, yeah. I have fond memories of that. I, I don't remember it too well, but um, yeah, I think when you had this hunch, you sent me a screenshot of my review of that movie, and I do fondly remember the gag where the hands of a clock are moving fast, and you think it's because time is moving but it's just because a guy is winding the clock and time has not moved at all. That's really funny. And um, also the guy in question, Mark Blankfield, was on a few episodes of Saved by the Bell. So that's where I know him too. And I like him from that. So yeah, I like him in general. So 
Uh, I also had Frankenstein General Hospital in my watch list based on a, a like of him. Yeah, he he was fun in that movie, and and as I recall, it was kind of like a like a cocaine themed Doctor uh, Jekyll, which was you know kind mm-hmm. of fun. Um, Mark Blankfield, if the name is not ringing a bell for our listeners. I guess he's probably best known to our generation as Blinken in Men in Tights. Uh, he also played a character named Martin in Dracula Dead and Loving It. Uh, but he also did some other stuff, you know, like this young Frankenstein ripoff. So I, I guess you know that Mel Brooks is a good sport for hiring Mark Blankfield after he shamelessly ripped off young Frankenstein uh, years before. Um, but, you know, he's, he's been around, I guess, maybe for slightly older folks. You might remember him as one of the performers on Fridays, which is why when you Google Mark Blankfield, sometimes you get a cool photo of him hanging out with Andy Kaufman backstage because uh, he was there for that fateful episode. Um, anyhow, uh, the plot... Yeah, that of- makes sense. He seems like that kind of guy, like that sort of comedian that would have yeah. Yeah, been on like sketch comedy in the early 80s. Yeah, he's got that feel to him. He was hanging out with Michael Richards and Larry David and, and all those guys. And, you know, he didn't make it as big as everybody else around him. But, yeah, I've always found him kind of charming. Um, anyhow, the plot of this movie concerns, as we mentioned, Mark Blankfield playing a character named Bob Frankenstein, uh, who is a descendant of the Mad Doctor at some hospital somewhere in, in modern day. Uh, he's using an assumed name so that None of the hospital staff know that he's, you know, a Frankenstein. And uh, it provides kind of the perfect cover for his mad science experiments, uh, which he conducts in the mad science lab basement of the hospital. Uh, a room which, by the way, in the movie is always in black and white. And, and the characters even comment on it when they, when they go down to the basement. They're like, oh, it, it's black and white down here, which I think is, is a funny little touch that I, I enjoyed. Yeah, I like that part. Uh, but basically, yeah, I mean, throughout the movie, he's putting together his Frankenstein uh, together with his assistant, Iggy, played by Leslie Jordan, um, and hoping all along that the big wigs and the other doctors at the hospital and stuff don't find out what he's up to. And that's it, I think. I think that's like 99% of the yeah. plot of this movie. Uh, there's really not very much plot here. It's kind of just a bunch of silly gags, you know, poking fun at old horror movies and poking fun at things like General Hospital. It's, it's kind of got like a Hollywood mortuary vibe in terms of its, you know, gentle poking of fun at, you know, classic monster movies. Definitely on a, on a higher budget than that movie, uh, but not too high. This is a pretty low-budget comedy. Um... But sadly, most of this movie I found to be pretty lazy. Um, like I, I, th- I, you know, I think, to interrupt real quick, to go back to that, I definitely think this movie has a lower budget than Hollywood Mortuary. Like, in that movie, might, they went outside might. a couple of times. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, it, this is a, a low-budget comedy. It's certainly uh, not at the level of Jekyll and Hyde together again, a movie that almost nobody has ever heard of. So... <laughs> Um, set your expectations accordingly if you do choose to, to watch this. But, you know, besides the, the cheapness, you know, effort on a script, you know, writing a joke doesn't cost any money. Mm-hmm. And I, I still felt like they kind of missed the mark there. Like, 
there's a comedy scene in this, you know, that, that takes place in an operating room, you know, where doctors are, are operating on some patient. And, you know, what I learned this week while watching this movie is that if you set your comedy scene in an operating room with all the doctors wearing, you know, surgical masks, you don't actually have to have them, you know, perform any jokes. You could write the jokes later and just dub them in. Or mm-hmm. you could forget to do that altogether and just and leave it as a scene with, like, no real jokes in it. But um, clearly everybody in that scene was dubbed uh, in a way that was kind of distracting although there's something going on with the audio in this entire movie where like a lot of scenes i don't know did they just have a bad microphone or something and they had to like pick everything up in adr but it a lot of it looks like it's just kind of badly synced did you get that feeling yeah yeah um i I think maybe it was on purpose i mean i think maybe they i mean i don't know the syncing wasn't so bad but like are so bad that this was the case although it feels like this was the case like it just sort of feels like they they wanted to ADR in stuff as much as possible because they just didn't like you said they didn't have the jokes in the script at the time so they wanted to add stuff in post so yeah it felt like I mean certainly the scenes like you said where, where people are wearing the masks but even in normal scenes like it just felt like yeah something was off like they were trying to add as many jokes as they could in the editing room um, although, I mean, not, I don't know, but I mean, the dubbing's not so bad that that's obvious, but I don't know, it felt that way nonetheless. Yeah, there, there's something going on there. It's, I don't know, it's a, a little bit weird. Um, I, you know, I did find that there were some fun bits in this movie. Um, there's a little strip club inside of the hospital that Mark Blankfield pops in for a drink at, which I think is pretty funny that there's a strip club uh, in the hospital. Um, at one point we meet an overeager German liposuction doctor whose suction machine causes a nurse's clothes to be ripped straight off of her body, um, which is something that you just don't mm-hmm. see anymore in movies, right? Yeah, no, the time for that kind of stuff, that sort of, um, very gratuitous, uh, yeah, it's nudity and, and objectifying of ladies, yeah, not... It's not very common anymore. You got to really look for it. What's what is the Pornhub search term, Bowman? Is it ENF? <laughs> there's something embarrassed nude female. Is that right? Or there's something. Some people are into this embarrassment stuff, and I just want I them to know if, yeah. if you're out there and, and you get horny, if that's your fuck style, is ladies having their clothes liposuctioned off their bodies and they make a little face, you know, and they they cover their you know their their cheeks with their hands. Hey man, it's it's in here. So yeah, just, I would, just know yeah. that. I would have to imagine that that is definitely a kink. I mean, we grew up with so much like, yeah, the gag where a lady's a leaf blower blows a lady's clothes off was in like every third movie, and like every practical joke TV show as a kid. So yeah, I would imagine that yeah, people who grew up watching that definitely have that as a kink. So that that would make sense. Yeah, I mean, much in the same way that every you know, female superhero of the 1940s is roping up guys and getting them all tied up and stuff. <laughs> like, there are these things that, you know, people like to work into pop culture. And Deborah Romare was looking out for the, uh, let's call it ENF freaks out there, assuming mm-hmm. my search term is correct. Um, 
But yeah, so that scene was fun. There's also the science lab itself I thought looked kind of cool. There's some equipment in there that like automatically uh, stirs the contents of a beaker by kind of like rotating the beaker. I thought that little machine looked kind of fun. Um, as I said, I like the idea that it's shot in black and white. I thought that was a cool little touch. Um, oh, and of course, once we do get Frankenstein in this movie, which he shows up probably, I don't know, about halfway in, um, he's played by the great Irwin Keyes, a character actor and kind of unusual-looking man, Erwin uh, Keyes, who I think is great. He's just so much fun in this, makes for a really fun Frankenstein's monster, probably one of the most memorable, in my opinion. Um, but to give you an idea of this yeah. movie's sense of humor, the first thing Erwin Keyes does when he shows up as the monster, he's been resurrected, you know, it's alive, it's alive, and he just rips a big wet fart. <laughs> and that's probably the funniest part of this movie, to be honest. That now that I recall it, I'm, I actually remember enjoying it. But that's kind of the peak, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, that's that's definitely the best joke in the movie. Um, but but also to, you know, Erwin Keys is not a household name, but every I guarantee everybody listening to this podcast has seen him before. And here's just a, a little bit of the rundown of movies he's been in. Some of these are like junk food dinner classics um, Friday the 13th, House of a Thousand Corpses The Warriors, Black Dynamite Death Wish 4, The Exterminator Zapped, Motorama Evil Bong 3, Chained Heat uh, Nice Girls Don't Explode Here Come the Monsters, Time Master and Double Switch uh, Banger career Banger career yeah. on this guy Yeah, he. I mean he's been alongside us through most of our podcasting uh, times, you know, like yeah. as long as we've been reviewing movies, he's been in most of them. So uh, shout out to that guy. Shout out to his memorable face. I, I love the fact that they cast him in this. I, I think, I mean, not to be like crass or, I mean, I don't know how to put this gently, but like you don't even have to put that much makeup on the guy and he looks like a Frankenstein. And, and I, I know that sounds yeah. horrendous, but it works, and I like that about his face. I'm not complaining about this man's Frankenstein face. I'm a fan of it. I, I wish more faces were like his. So, don't come yeah. at me. I'm not being ableist here. Uh, we all love He's got Irwin a big Keys. jaw. Yeah, he's got yeah. a big jaw and a big chin. Well, and he was born with those bolts coming out of his neck. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's just a green dude. Yeah. So, uh, and he's he's so sick. You see. So. Um, anyways, he rules. Um, his version of Frankenstein, I think, is a fun character running around this movie. Oh, also, one of the doctors in this is played by the great character actor Lou Cattell, who I guess is best known for playing the mostly deleted character, the Amazing Larry, in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. You remember the Amazing Larry? I do not know. It's... Towards, uh, I guess it's towards like the beginning of the movie, uh, Pee Wee's having that like town hall meeting in a basement or something, like addressing the townsfolk about his stolen bicycle. And at one point, there's just this non sequitur aside where there's a guy in, in the audience who is chatting to the guy next to him. I think he's chatting to the, um, the owner of the magic shop. And Pee Wee just looks at him and says, do you have anything to add, Amazing Larry? 
I, th- I think that's the line. It's nothing <laughs> akin to that. And the, I think the story is he was a character in the movie before that had a scene like at the magic shop um, that they cut, but they left this other part where Pee Wee refers back to him. And it, because there is no context for it, it becomes that much more funny. But I love that guy. I've, I've always loved the amazing Larry. Uh, cool to see him, the actor Lou Cattell, in this. Um, plus, you know, if you're the kind of guy that can muster up excitement for a Bobby Boris Pickett cameo, well, this movie's got one of those. I, I didn't really notice him, but I guess he's in an elevator at some point. Um, ben Stein's in this, too, for whatever that's worth. Um, but most importantly, you know, I really do think that Mark Blankfield has a natural comic ability that I find charming even when the jokes aren't going his way. I mean, watching this, you do sort of wish that they had taken the time to come up with a script that had either a story or some jokes, preferably both, and they didn't. Uh, <laughs> but even so, you know, it's, it's, this is such well-meaning fun with a number of friendly, familiar faces that I got to give it a pass. So, you know, I think if you have seen all of the Mel Brooks movies... And you've seen them many times to the point where you can't stand to watch them anymore. I think you could do worse than watch this movie that's kind of in that vein. Just go in with, you know, low expectations and I think you might have some fun. But what about you, Bowman? Did you have fun with this Frankenstein and his general hospital? Um, I mean, I, I wanted to. Because this is... This is kind of my bread and butter, butter sort of movie, like these movies that would have been on USA Up All Night or, um, you know, something like that. Like just these stupid, goofy movies where like they didn't have any money and so they just were doing silly nonsense to try to keep your attention uh, at three in the morning kind of movies, like a hamburger, the motion picture sort of a movie, um, a Meatballs 4 sort of a movie. Um, so I, I'm always rooting for those kind of movies, which this definitely is. And it's got the Frankenstein thing, which is always fun. You throw a little horror elements into something like that. That's fun. But it's, I mean, you know, at kind of at the end of the day here, we've got a comedy movie with no comedy in it. And that's, that's disheartening. (laughs) Um, there were a couple of little times I chuckled. Frankenstein farting is funny. They do a gag early on where like two um, orderlies or EMTs are like carrying a guy on a stretcher, but they see a hot lady, so they drop the guy on accident, you know, because they're preoccupied looking at a hot lady. I'm always on board for those kind of jokes. Um, but outside of that, yeah, like it's there aren't. It's not even like that this movie is unfunny. It's like this movie doesn't even try to be funny. Like there's not even really like a lot of jokes or gags. Most of what happens is that people just kind of like yell. Like like that's like the funny part is like just like people kind of yelling and overacting and being hammy. And despite the fact that they're not really like, you know, it's not there's very rarely is there like a setup and a joke in this movie. Um, a lot of the scenes, like, you're struggling to even figure out, like, what is, like, the comedic premise of this? Like, where would we even derive any kind of jokes? And I, I guess, like, mm-hmm. maybe the most common theme in, like, the comedy scenes is, like, 
Mark Blankfield is squirming because he's like, he, you know, he doesn't want to get found out for being a Frankenstein. I guess that's the funny thing in a lot of these scenes, but it it's, it's not nearly enough, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it, yeah, it's like it, it almost feels like it, like they don't do anything to set anything up either. So like, in addition to not really being funny, like it's also like the movie relies so much on its premise to convey what comedy there is, but they don't even really set that up. Like it, it kind of just feels like it drops you in 15 minutes into a movie. Like, cause Frankenstein's already there. He's already got his Igor or Iggy. They're already in the basement. It's already black and white. Like, They've already got jobs there. Like it sort of feels like it. Like they should have. Like it's there should be like 15 minutes where like they've left Transylvania or whatever, and they need new jobs, and so they, you know, apply for jobs at this hospital and get them. And like, yeah, or or like a funny prologue where we see the original Doctor Frankenstein, and he's played by Mark Blankfield. You know, in a, in a double role. Yeah, something that sets up the world that he's operating in. You know, because yeah. at first, like, you don't know, like, is this a hospital that is cool with people making Frankensteins? Maybe it is. I don't know. It's a weird horror comedy. Like, what kind of world am I in? But you got to kind of wait to find out what the boundaries of any of this are. And then once you find out, it's kind of underwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good point. Because, yeah, it starts out with Iggy. Um, who's played by Leslie Jordan, who is great, by the way. He recently passed on. He's a nice, funny guy, usually. He's in Jason Goes to Hell. He's one of the best parts in that. Um, he's been on, like, a ton of sitcoms and stuff. Um, he comes in, and he's got two legs. <clears throat> and he's like, "What? Do, you know, I, I found these legs. And then Frankenstein's like, oh, great. We'll put those on the body, you know. And, and like you said, like, we don't have enough context to even know if this is crazy or not. Like, I mean, I, I mean, I guess if a guy's walking around with two severed legs, it's always crazy, but it's like, yeah, there, I don't, it's like, you have to set up the world first to, to let us know where we are in terms of this stuff. Like when in the universal Frankenstein, and obviously that's a horror movie, not a comedy, but they go, Hey, we're going to grave rob. And somebody's like, Oh, I hope we don't get caught. And he's like, Oh, we'll do it anyway for science. And it's like, bam, we, now we know the rules of the universe. Yeah. In, in the journeys to the center of the earth, you know, Lindenbrook is ridiculed by other scientists for his claims that he can traverse down to the center of the earth. Yeah. And here just, it's like just 20... to tie it back to a movie that everybody's familiar with, you know. <laughs> of course. But here it's like 20 minutes before we realize that Frankenstein has a boss. Um, you know, that there's other things going on here. I mean, it's like before we realize it's modern day, which I guess is maybe a joke in itself to some degree. Or, I mean, maybe not, I guess, but through the dialogue, I guess we kind of know that it's modern day immediately, but I don't know. So it's like just confusing right off the bat. Um, although they do, the two legs are from a runner who was participating in the Boston Marathon. Yeah, and... which is ahead of its time. <laughs> yeah, it definitely takes on a different feel now. <laughs> Um, that joke. <clears throat> um, he, in, in, a guy you missed when talking about the cast uh, is Mark DiCarlo. Um, oh, who that? He is, he 
He plays like, there's like the two doctors who are always together, like saying stupid shit. He's one of them. And he was the host of Studs back in the olden days. That Do you remember the, the dating game show Studs? I don't, but it looks like he was also involved <laughs> with Thumb Wars. Yeah, he was in the Thumb Wars movies. Um, Studs was like a very popular pop cultural icon show back in the 80s. Like it was like, I don't, I don't know, it was a dating show, but it was like edgy for like the early 90s. But he was also More in like More popular Buffy. than Singled Out with our friend Chris Hardwick. It was like the precursor to Singled Out. Oh, okay. I think Singled Out was probably my intro to dating shows. Okay. Yeah, it came on, like, it was syndicated, and it was, like, on five times a day or something, and it kind of was a, a thing. But, um, but, yeah, but he was also in the Buffy movie, and he was in Shrek 2 Retold. So I'm sure we're going to be talking about him in the future at some point. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Uh, yeah. So anyway, but, yeah, so he's in this. He was, like, he's a very charismatic dude, in other things, like in the Buffy movie, I think he plays like the coach, like the be- the high school basketball coach or something, if I remember correctly. Um, and on studs and stuff, like he's got a lot of charisma, but that just kind of doesn't really come off in this movie. Um, yeah, so I kind of don't even know what else to say. Frankenstein wears a cool motorcycle shirt at one point, which... Oh, yeah. I think Kevin would have appreciated if he would have seen this. I don't think Kevin would like this movie necessarily, but I think Kevin would have enjoyed Frankenstein wearing a motorcycle shirt. I mean, we know that he loves Frankenstein in a vest, but what about a Harley shirt? (laughs) We'll never know. Kind of a missed opportunity that he didn't have like a little leather vest over that Harley Davidson t-shirt. Yeah, they don't go full biker with him. But he does get his fuck on. That's true. That's true. That's cool, um, right? I mean, yeah. Not yeah, since well. <laughs> uh, Frank and Hooker have we seen a, a Frankenstein scene like that. True. That's <laughs> true. It's very rare that Frankensteins get to have sex. But yeah, so I, yeah, I don't know. There's not even a lot to say about this because, like I said, it's a comedy with no no jokes really. So I I don't know. It just kind of skates on the premise that it's wacky that a mad scientist would want to make a guy, but considering the fact that this is like the 87th Frankenstein movie that's not even really that wacky anymore. So you got to do something. And I mean, I guess it's wacky he's in a hospital. I guess. I don't, I don't know. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I didn't really care for this movie. Well, sad to hear it. I will not be telling the amazing Larry your thoughts on this movie. I don't think he could handle it at his advanced age. Um, <laughs> I'm not shocked, though. I mean, you're spot on. This is not a funny movie. It's It should be funny. I, I like the premise, you know, like a, a mashup between General Hospital and a, a Frankenstein. Sure. That's fun. Yeah, Just, yeah uh, I agree. Could have maybe used one more pass on that script or something. I don't know. Should have called in Patton Oswalt to do some punch-up, I guess. Yeah. Or anybody. Just anybody at all to add just any amount of jokes. Like, I don't know. It just really feels like they didn't try. Like, they just had this premise, and they're like, all right, fuck it. Let's do it. And then, I mean, it also doesn't help that it's like... I mean, they... There are scenes that take place in the basement, the black and white basement, which I think is a funny conceit that it's black and white. 
And then there are other scenes that happen in like the head guy's office. And then most of the scenes happen in like just random hallways and stuff. So it's like really boring to look at and kind of uninventive. And, you know, like there's no scene where like Frankenstein goes out into the world or anything like that. And it's so it's just kind of bland. There's not even a lightning strike to awaken the Frankenstein. Yeah, I don't think yeah. right. Doesn't he? Is he just kind of like awake at one point? I don't even remember there being like a moment for that, really. Yeah, I think I think he just like kind of appears out of the basement, basically. Like he just kind of walks up the stairs. Like yeah, I don't even remember him waking up. There yeah. is actually now that I think of it, there is a kind of cute scene where he meets that kid who wants to fly, and it sort of mirrors the the flower scene from the original. Oh yeah, and that that was kind of funny. I like that. Yeah. There's also that ending on this movie where they kind of shamelessly set up a Lady Frankenstein sequel that never happens. So, yeah, always kind of gives me like a sad feeling whenever I see a movie that has an ending that's giving you the hard sell for a sequel that never comes, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's always depressing. Although I guess, you know, the opportunity is still out there. If, if one of our listeners, maybe Jackson Stewart wants to license the rights from Mark Blankfield you know what I mean I don't know it's Mark I, I mean Leslie Jordan and Erwin Keyes are both uh, sadly no longer with us so if Blankfield's no longer with us then I don't think but the amount of cocaine that Mark Blankfield was doing in the 80s you're telling me that he's not going to be in perfect health 50 years later <laughs> I, well that's a good point I think he's still alive so yeah I guess I guess it's possible. Well, where there's a possibility, there's potential. And I'd potentially like to see this movie. So make it happen, listeners. You know, make me laugh. That's your challenge, as it's always been on this show, is this is the show where listeners get a chance <laughs> to make me laugh. And I hope you succeed. Uh, if you are looking to watch this movie, it is on Tubi right now, which is how I watched it. And the pixels were pretty good on Tubi for this. Like, it's a, a reasonably look good-looking copy. I don't know, like DVD quality or something, but not bad at all. Um, it does have commercials, you know, it being on Tubi. And there is one scene in this, in the movie, not in the commercials. There's a scene where there's a bunch of piss flooding down a hallway of the hospital. And right in the middle of that scene, no joke, it was interrupted by an Applebee's commercial for a bright yellow margarita (laughs) with the slogan, thank you, America. And it was like a really short, like five second stinger kind of ad. And it kind of looked like it belonged in the scene. It was really funny the way that that made for like a surprisingly smooth transition. So I don't know, is that a sign that the automated ad placement out there is now becoming sentient and understanding humor and they're injecting ads into my media in a way where they're trying to make me laugh as if they were listeners Mm -hmm. of this show (laughs) maybe i don't know but uh yeah I, i did enjoy that um i think you know if there is nothing else on frankenstein general hospital and i i don't see how there could be Um, I think we've reached the point of the show where we make a stunning reveal as to what we might be talking about next, next week or in two weeks. Indeed. So, uh, and I've got a little song to go with it here. 
It's time for the percolator. It's time for the percolator. It's time for the percolator. That doesn't really go with this, I guess. I just wanted to play it. But um, <laughs> I have a movie that I hopefully will make you laugh. It is a comedy. Uh, sort of. It's a strange comedy, but a comedy nonetheless. Um, I don't think you've ever seen it. It's keeping with tradition. I've been giving you banger ass director after banger ass director the last few weeks. And so I'm giving you another one of the best directors of all time. And we're going to talk about Brian De Palma's High Mom from 1970, one of his very first movies. It stars Robert De Niro, Paul Bartel, and Garrett Graham, three junk food dinner hall of famers, no doubt. Oh, I don't think I have seen High Mom. I've seen the one with Orson Welles. What was that one? That's How to Train Your Rabbit. Yeah, that's right. I don't think yeah. I have seen Hi Mom. Okay. I think it's there's a pretty crazy climax to it, so I think you would remember it if you'd seen it. That and it's I mean it's also like one of De Niro's first things, and he's pretty memorable in general. So I I mean I didn't yeah, go, I, I didn't I check your letterbox. I definitely okay. never seen this. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty pretty wild. Pretty wild movie. It's on Tubi. Um. It looks like it's only on Tubi. It looks like that's the only place to get it. Um, I remember I, I first saw this like seven or eight years ago when I was falling in love with De Palma and I had to watch like a shitty YouTube VHS rip or something. So at least it's on Tubi. But uh, I think actually a Blu-ray just came out. So it's just yeah. pixels out there in general. But Amazon's got it on used VHS for $2.97. So I think our listeners can figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, buy, everybody buy those VHSs so you can watch along. And so that you can drive up the price, you know? Yeah. If, if you guys all collude and, and, you know, drive up the price of Hi Mom on VHS, you could really corner the market, you know? Mm-hmm, true. Um, so that's next week's movie. I'm excited. I would love to cross off any De Palmas, any, you know, John Carpenter's... Any of the big big name directors that I like, you know, I, I always feel a tinge of embarrassment about having not seen everything that they've ever done. Well, I'll help you fill those gaps. Uh, well, you know, I'm helping you. We did Linklater. We did Michael Mann. I'm helping you fill in your gaps with uh, all the classic directors. So, um, yeah, this is, yeah, this is a very underseen De Palma so there's no need to feel shame for not seeing this one it's, it was hard to get for a long time yeah well I, I thank you for picking it and, and honestly I also gotta thank those folks over at the discord for participating in your little game that you played over there where you <laughs> you, you pulled people yeah. for what director yeah I pulled yeah I did I don't know I mean I think De Palma was going to win no matter how the voting went, but uh, but yeah, I did put a poll up asking people to pick which director would be the next one um, that I picked the movie from. But Michael Mann got a lot of votes, so I think we'll probably probably double up on Michael Mann. I know we just did one of his movies like two or three months ago, but I think we might do another soon, probably by the end of the year. Cool. Seems like we might never do a Hitchcock again based on the results of the poll where... Not only did he register at, I think, 0% in the poll, but somehow there was a write-in <laughs> ballot that said this guy's a hack. Yeah, I don't know what was going on there. 
some something somebody hacked into your Discord account and was saying all these bad things about the greatest director to ever live. It was really weird. The it guy was, who it revolutionized weird. visual storytelling. It was it was very strange. I don't know. It was man. wild. It's this is too late in the episode to do a deep dive on Hitchcock, but I I do think that in our lifetime I think the critical evaluation of Hitchcock has gone a little bit overboard towards like praising everything about his movies when it's like there are great things about his movies but there are some other things he was not that good at I don't know could be that could be he's a little stagey sometimes he's a little stagey like the the climax of rear window and stuff like that I'll give you that well we'll talk about him to say nothing of his hesitation to incorporate nurses having their clothes liposuctioned off their bodies into his films. <laughs> That's one of my biggest complaints with the man. I think that happens in Marnie, that movie with Sean Connery. We'll have to, uh, if memory serves. That sounds right. Yeah. We'll watch all his movies one day. We'll figure it out. Well, so that will be, uh, Hi Mom will be in a couple weeks, though, right? Because I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe next week will be a Kevin Moss junk food dinner special. The, the full trio with a bonanza of films. I think it'll be junk food dinner number 669. I think the movies will be Bad Boys. But not the Bad Boys that you're thinking of. This is Bad Boys from 1983. It's a different Bad Boys. Hmm. Um, Dracula AD from 1972 actually Dracula AD 1972 from 1972 they put the year right in that title mm-hmm. they didn't want you to get mixed up and uh, Legend of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds from 1977 which is a you know granted an awkward title I don't know if I was naming a movie <laughs> if I would call it Legend of Dinosaurs and Monster Birds but that's what they did mm-hmm. back in 1977, and that's what we're going to be watching. It's a little, yeah, a little bit redundant there, but, uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Two out of three horror movies on Halloween week isn't bad. Thanks for screwing up our Halloween dumb shit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of strange that somebody chose to deliberately ruin our favorite holiday with one of these movie picks, but... Mm-hmm. Um... I, I guess we'll never know who that was, who was one of the three, but maybe we'll find out next week. Only time will tell. But in between now and then, do all of the things. Go to junkfooddinner.com. That's the most important thing that you can do with your day. Uh, go there every day. Go there once a day. Go to junkfooddinner.com. Make it a ritual. You know, Make it part of your either your morning routine. You, know, you wake up, you drink that. A cup of coffee, you get that cup of joe and you're looking at junkfooddare.com maybe you do it as a wind down at the end of the day you know, you're, you're drinking that hot cup of tea and you're looking at junkfooddare.com uh, whatever hot beverage you're, you're drinking go check it out, we got all the things on there all the old episodes and links to all of the important stuff that I would normally spiel right here uh, you can also leave us a junk mail at 347-746-JUNK. That's 347-746-5865. Or leave us an email at jfdpodcast at gmail.com. We read those sometimes. The voicemail's better, but we will see the email eventually. Uh, But until then, 
Uh, this is your friend, Send Byro. If you're other friend, Perky Beantown Bowman, saying keep washing them dishes. You can't just assign vampirism to anything you don't understand. <laughs>